Hey there, travelers. It is your DM Lucas. I just figured I'd pop in right now and give an update on how things are going. Because, honestly, we have a lot of things on the go. So, it's to be a good time. And you get to listen to some music that I enjoy. I really love these piano pieces. I, I, it's like three parts to them, so. Enjoy this music while I ramble on about ballad. So as you all know, we are working on getting the Sacred Flame special out. There's been a lot of leading up to it, right? The whole King in Yellow showing that like TV orb device and it was about to show them like this big thing. So we're really gonna dive into a lot of cool backstory and we got some amazing voices from it. I know you're really gonna love this as it's just a fantastic project. I'm very excited to dive into. We are just in the midst of getting all our lines. Uh, a few people were sick, so we are doing our best to, once we get them, you know, we'll, we'll be ready to just hit the ground running. So hopefully we'll have that maybe uh, ready for you all next week. Another cool thing that's happening right now, if you haven't seen us post about it on social media, we are starting up a Twitch stream. Now, a ballad's still gonna keep going on this podcast feed, so, don't worry, you're still going to get the same show you know and love, but we also are going to be having an additional Twitch stream going on for a campaign that I have titled Rise of Nyarlathotep. So, as you can tell, it's going to be based around the great old one, Nyarlathotep. It's a lot of chaos, trickery, disguise, betrayal, you know, all that good stuff you expect from these strange eldritch horrors. But the cooler thing is, we actually get to play in a homebrew world that me and my spouse, Michelle, have been building for some time. I have enjoyed blowing up the Forgotten Realms and making a mess of it, but I am excited to really hop into a brand new world that we've been creating. It has all sorts of cool things, like I really love focusing on the aspect of evolution. When you bring a bunch of different species, like elves, dwarves, orcs, everything to this new world that's chock full of crazy magics, they're all actually going to start evolving over a couple thousands of years, because that just makes sense, right? So we have the elves have split into two groups. There's like the elves of Terra, who are more, more like wood elves, except they have like those Spider-Man small hooks in their hands that let them climb trees naturally. Their features look more fae-like. And the other elves, the elves of Umi, they live in these massive bubble cities underwater, and they've taken on a very aquatic look, very large eyes, sharp teeth, um, like a pallid skin, fins, that kind of stuff. So really looking forward to just diving into this crazy world. And also Bordon, uh, he's actually from this world. Mons Regnum is one of the, the large capitals in this place. So if you're interested in learning more about this homebrew world that we'll be playing in. We actually have a YouTube channel, Battle of the Seven Dice. We've had it for a while, but it was a mess until I cleaned it up very recently. So now it looks nice. It's got playlists and stuff. We have a playlist done there called uh, World Lore for Lochrealta. Lochrealta is the the world. So you're going to find videos that I'll be uploading there. I'm trying to do like one a week. I have one on like the kingdom that we're going to be starting off, the Arcanium, which is a kingdom that is primarily made up of the luminous, like the the beings of light who usually guard the headquarters in Sanctuary. They're very involved in magical research and stuff. The 
the whole place is ruled by arcane universities. It's, it's a lot of fun. So that's where it's going to be starting. And also I did like this super over-the-top creation story for how the world was brought about. So I also have that up on there. So feel free to check those out because I think they're cool. And if you like our story right now, you'll probably like that stuff. But all the stuff that we're going to be doing on Twitch, we're going to be tossing it up on YouTube as well. So if you don't have the time to watch it, it'll be on every Tuesday, 6.30 Central to, I think, 8. So only an hour and a half stream each week. But if you miss it or you want to watch it again or, uh, like many people, your schedule is just too crazy, uh, it's going to be up on YouTube for you to watch. And we'll have uh, almost a full new cast, though Jason, who plays Drax here, will be joining us. So... He'll be there, the Draxir you know and love. We'll be playing a, a different character. We have all sorts of uh, fun characters that are coming on. We have Jess is playing Glyph, who is an automata or an automaton rogue. Though so think of it like they're robo-rogue. They uh, don't have a face, like super robotic looking. And we have TK37, which is a goblin who basically is the result of a science experiment. So kind of like how the Chosen have powers, TK has powers, and it's telekinesis. So a lot of moving things with the mind. It's a little goblin monster, and she can blow stuff up. And TK37 is played by Eve. We have Alora is played by Meg. They are a godling. And they are another species that I created. They're basically like, think of them like building blocks for demigods. They're not a demigod yet. They're far from it. But they have the spark of potential to become one later on if they don't die, which a lot of them like to eat each other, which is fun. And we have Weary, who is played by Ian, who is a tiefling artificer. So another artificer for the crew. He's a very soft boy. He wants to just travel the world, learn new things and keep his friends alive which sounds like the party will really need. And also, last but not least, we have Jason playing Kratok. I think that's how you pronounce it. K-R-A-T-O-Q. But he is a bird folk. They're kind of like that Aarakocra, but I I changed that, made it crazy. The, the, it's like the kind of like subspecies of Lumerian, so very over the top, very colorful. But Jason will be playing a bard, so watch as he steps into that fun role. He's all about traveling the lands and bringing joy to those who don't have the the joys of music at home. So we're going to be jumping into that campaign. I wanted to give everyone an update here because I know not everyone has the time or follows us on social media, and that's totally okay. But I want to give the opportunity so that people knew. So that'll be on Twitch, Tuesdays, 6.30 Central Time. We are working on this audio drama. Don't you worry. It'll be coming out soon. With the audio drama, we are going to have a super cool piece of art. That's going to go along with it. So I will try to figure out how to use it for the thumbnail for the video. But on the off chance it doesn't work, or even if you just want to see it bigger, we're going to be putting it on the website as well as our Instagram and other social medias. So uh, check out that art. It is absolutely amazing. It's made by Alyssa Frazier, who made our other art, like the, the character art of the four boys and our, our logo. So definitely be excited for that. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to do, listeners. I get uh, messaged quite a few questions um, regarding the campaign, and I always love answering them. If you ever have questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. That's the easiest place to message me. Just message our Twitter account, Battle of Seven Dice. 
Or if you want to, you can email us at ballotofthesevendice at gmail.com. And I'm always happy to answer questions, but I figured I'd, I'd answer a few of these because I've been asked them a few times. So I figured, why not hop into this? You know, this would be kind of fun. I'll, I'll answer some questions here. I should do these updates way more often. This is the first update I've done in three years. Wow. Okay. Question one. Hi, Lucas. Was Wingover ever a character, or has he always been an NPC? That's a good question. Uh, yes, Wingover actually was a character of mine. I had a campaign where like, I was playing in it, oh, it was way back in 3.5, probably when I was in high school, so a while ago. But uh, I was playing this character, Wingover Gimbal, famous gnome bard, and Robert, who plays MZ, was also playing in that campaign, and he was supposed to play another gnome named Gimbal Wingover. We're supposed to have a little dynamic going there, but Robert did not stick to it. I can't remember what character he made. But anyways, we went into this. It was like the first time we were playing. We all went into this place. This vampire showed up. The DM's like, ha ha, threw a vampire at you. You're way too low level. The entire party died except for me because I ran away. And I went back and I cut off everyone's hands to go resurrect them. And uh, when I got back to town, I got arrested and thrown in jail because I had everyone's hands. Uh, and then I actually brought that character over to another campaign where we played in Sanctuary. We had a different DM. Uh, it, it was a blast playing him. He he did not die, which was a, a good thing to say about a character. But I, I played him for months. It was a lot of fun. So yes, Wingover is an old character of mine that I've absolutely loved. And if you go on Twitter, on my personal account, at Earl of Winnipeg, uh, I actually have a picture of Wingover as my avatar. Um, or profile picture, whatever you call it. Jesus. And you can go on Instagram too, and I have a picture there. Here's another question we got here. I've actually been asked this one a decent amount of times. For the intros and outros, do you write scripts for these? Or is there notes that you do? Or how do you plan them? So I always call them wintros because it's wing over intros and woutros, wing over outros. I actually just improv all of that from the Battle Bards person that's coming in to what I'm going to talk about. The only thing that I read is uh, reviews that you lovely listeners write for us. I always love reading those. But yeah, for those winters and wetros, I completely off the cuff. And I feel like that's how I, I do wing over best. It's absolutely fun. Uh, here's another one. How much do you edit Wingover's voice? Not much, actually. So here's me naturally doing Wingover's voice. Greetings, uh, Travis. Welcome. It's me, Wingover Gimbal. Famous name, bad. So normally I just increase that line by 6.069%. Haha, <laughs> nice. So I, I just increase the pitch. And that's that's the only editing I do for Wingover's voice. It's... It is the voice that I can do normally. I actually, when I met Dave and Jeremy, Dave from Four Orbs and Jeremy of Midnight Kingdoms, they, they were surprised that I could do that voice. I have these questions written down ahead of time, if you're wondering. Why did you make the cultists so loving? So I, I've gotten this question like a, a number of different ways asked, but like uh, generally the, the same gist of like, why, why are the, the cultists so good-natured, uh, even though they do all these horrific evil things? And I, I kind of base that off of real-world religions. Um, my experience with them, uh, and particularly Christianity, 
I myself am not Christian, but I, I had to go to church and do all the Sunday school and all that other stuff. Got kicked out of Sunday school, fun story for there, but I actually was always approached by these people who were so loving, so kind, and that kind of stuff, like, outward, but they were they were quite vicious behind closed doors. And I, and I feel like many of us have uh, experienced people like this, not necessarily just based on religion, but just people themselves. But that was my personal experience, and so I kind of based the cultists off of stuff like that. Also, I always love it more when the bad guys are sympathetic, or if the bad guys are doing really good things. Because then it makes you go like, oh no, I have to kill these people, but like, they're offering free education and healthcare and jobs. Ah. So I, I figured like, if you're going to have a giant organization where you're trying to recruit everyone and you think you're doing the right thing, you're going to do good stuff for people and those people will flock to you. You know, you feed people, you, you help them, you get them jobs, you educate them, you heal them. Of course they're going to want to fight for you. Of course they're going to listen to you. You know, you treat people right and people will stand up for you. Unfortunately, they also mutate people and kind of brainwash them and stuff like that. So there is that. That's, that's generally the cultists. That's, that's why I made them so loving. Basing them off of real-life experiences of religion that I've, I've endured. As well as I, I just love having sympathetic bad guys. So people that you had to root for. Has anything deviated in Season 2 from what you initially planned? Yes. For one, I did not plan on Death Blender. We had actually not played for two months or so before we actually recorded the Into the Deep specials. Or arcs, I should say. And so when they did Death Blender and like just completely messed up my dungeon and like blew off the doors of that place, everyone was kind of in a silly mood because we were getting back into things, but... I did not expect that, and it, it really changed the whole dynamic, because that was supposed to be like a stealth mission and be really scary, and then seeing some stuff, but instead it, it really empowered them, and it gave them a sense of like, look how strong we are, and really gave them a lot of confidence, which was good in that sense, I liked that. Another thing I didn't anticipate was actually in Welshire. So when they met Bernard Busybody and Holly Tolly, whichever Tolly I used, when they met them, and then they decided to, uh, or Bordon decided to turn back time to go out there and confront, I actually did not anticipate that. Uh, my whole plan was, while they were sleeping in the inn or sleeping in their, their carriage or something, I was going to have Oblivion attack then. I was going to do like this big monologue there and basically like stepping out into like this shadow realm and everything being scary and like flashing illusions of uh, people they lost, stuff like that. Just like, you know, just do the super whole bad guy imposing thing. But, uh, but you know, naturally you give a character time magic and they're going to throw you a few curveballs. So that really, uh, <laughs> that really changed things up. Also, when Ronnie put that damn illusion over the, the door to the tent, did not see that coming. Evan's a, he's a crafty one. It's hard to plan around what he's going to do. Because honestly, I never know what he's going to do with Ronnie. So that, that was actually really fun. And Inadvertently, Ronnie saved uh, the people of that town. Now, that, that was actually really cool. Another thing I did not actually expect was Ronnie going back to Geldspar and basically buying it. It allowed me to do a lot of cool things with Ronnie, but I, I didn't think that he was going to go back there. I had to like quickly spin up what Geldspar was like, so that's when I, I made D'Artagnan Gold. Uh, I love that character, by the way. That's, that's a fun voice to do. 
I didn't expect that to actually happen. I really thought that Ronnie was going to go look into clones or like try to find another another clone Ronnie. Did not foresee anything of that coming along. Still, once again, Evan throwing me another uh, another curveball. Also, that fucking train question. God damn. Thank God for Jason. Jason's so smart, so he was able to figure that out. But here was another question that's been asked a couple times. What challenges did you encounter bringing a new player into the podcast? So this was a, a pretty good question because like when you have a normal campaign, you just have buddies join all the time. People leave like it's kind of normal, right? You just kind of you go with it. But when you have a production, when you're having a podcast, we're still playing a normal game. We're still having fun. We're still just friends around the virtual table because, you know, we record remotely. But uh, when you have characters coming in or you have characters leaving, you really have to have like solid canonical reasons. For instance, if Bordon just left, I, that would, like, if Umberto just was like, I, I can't play anymore, guys, sorry, and he's, he's out, he's bailing, I, I would really have to spin on my heels and figure that one out and explain it, because we have a listener base, so when we have people that are expecting a, a story with continuity, we need to make sure that we address things properly. So, introducing Draxir... Thankfully, I had the organization of the Chosen already set up, and so it was kind of easy to bring him in through there. But still, like, I definitely had to think more on it, and uh, the challenge was, like, you know, working in his backstory into the, the campaign, because you know I love doing that kind of thing with everyone. So so there was a, a few, like, little tricky bits there, but honestly, not, not too hard. But I definitely, like, if we were doing a different kind of thing, like, uh, it's all just travelers on their own, nor, no organizations or anything like that, and just bringing someone in, it might be a little trickier, I think, because you need a reason for the party to trust this new person, and often, like, when you're mid-campaign, the party's already run into the big bad guy, all that kind of stuff. The best thing I could say, if you're ever in that situation, and you really need to bring in a, a new person, and you're kind of, like, mid-campaign, instead of forcing like this weird awkward and this person's there now and you're all friends be friends have that character show up in their time of need ambush the party just really throw something scary at them and bring in that new player and give them an item that'll like give them an edge or something really help people or or heal the party or help them out something like that and, and then uh like kind of save the day Almost like a little bit of a Deus Ex Machina, but instead it's it's not an outside force. You're you're bringing in a new force. So uh, try doing that because I find that actually works really well. Because then the characters build a bond. Like who are you? Oh, I'm the, I've been chasing after these people too, and and then you you easily create a cohesion. So definitely, if you want to bring them in, you need to find a good reason for your party to trust them. So always aim for that. I have two more questions that I have written down here, and like I said before, travelers. If you have any questions or anything like that, I, I'd love to do another one of these. I'll probably do another update just to give more behind the scenes looks because we have stuff going on all the time and I feel like I don't do a great job advertising it. So I will do better, but uh, another question. So what was the inspiration behind Father Matthews? Father Matthews, probably one of my favorite bad guys, honestly. The voice destroys my throat. I have like four glasses of water anytime I have to bring that guy in. But the inspiration behind Father Matthews partially was the Thistlemen from 
an audio drama called Alice Isn't Dead. It's about a trucker traveling across America trying to find her wife uh, in like a supernatural horror setting. So like lots of monsters and crazy weird shit going on. But there's these people called the Thistle Men. And they basically they were created out of just pure hatred. And so they uh, would just like walk around super weird and awkward and they would bleed and smell really strange. So it kind of based Matthews off of that. Then I really wanted something that just felt so alien. Uh, Matthews, you don't really know why he's there, what he's doing. Sometimes he does things that just don't make sense. The way he moves is creepy. I just wanted someone like that for the bad guys. And uh, Matthews has a crazy big backstory I have, but I don't know if I'll ever reveal it. It's just too good. Keeping it a mystery. Uh, okay, and so here's the last question I'm going to answer. Is there an importance behind the Wingover and Michael scenes? Is there a reason that you have Wingover and Michael somewhat interacting with the story as if things are going on? I get asked that a lot in like different variations, but that's the general gist of what people ask. Like, why do you have these, basically? Uh, there is an importance, and it will tie in more to the story. Uh, even as you heard, like, the inn got attacked, that kind of stuff, the bad guys are showing up. So clearly, Wingover and Michael are at some point in this story. They're not at the end. They're not retelling like everything that's finished. They're telling you the story from what they know and then carrying it on as they learn it. So uh, the Wingover and Michael bits will slowly adapt as the story keeps going through the four acts that we're going to have. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. We will be having four acts for Ballad. We always love hearing from you, dear listeners. We always love hearing like what you think about the show, what you like about it, why you listen to it. Uh, it not only gives us a better understanding about why people are, you know, checking out Bala, but also we just love to hear, uh, like, you know, what listeners think about the show. A lot of, especially the first year of working on Ballad, it was screaming into the void. And we got a decent amount of people who, who give us constant feedback, which is great. But I always love hearing from new perspectives. If you're ever like, I can join Ballad, hop on onto that social media, shoot me a message. This has been kind of fun rambling. I have a lot of fun doing this. I'm definitely going to do more of these. And if you hate them, well, you can skip them. Oh, I should mention the Patreon. I know I mention the Patreon every now and then as Wingover, but if you really like Ballad of the Seven Dice and you have a few bucks, you like think of it like a cup of coffee a month if you want to put it in that perspective. At the $3 level on our Patreon, we have a ton of bonus audio goodies. There's character journals from the characters' perspectives. We tried doing those for a while, but it was kind of hard getting them. There is a lot of one-shots. I think I have like nine or 10 episodes, like one-shots on our Patreon. They're really good. I had a lot of fun. Like uh, some of them are goofy. Some of them are super spooky. Uh, I like to play around with the Nostradamus Corporation in them. And uh, we have lorisodes, basically like I do an audio drama explaining some of the characters, the NPCs in the ballad world. Some recent ones I did was Althazar and Truth. So if you hop on there, you'll, you'll find those. We also have like Astoria, Quintos, a, a bunch. So those are super fun. And as well as we give a lot of updates on like what's going on, I try to do an update a month on there definitely to give like behind the scenes i'm not great at uploading pdfs but i try uh, i've uploaded like a few monsters i always upload like any custom games we're playing like just doctor work a couple holiday cheer 
custom war rules that we use. Like I upload our, our TTRPGs that I make. I put them up on there. So those are always cool. And uh, I'll, I'll always be adding new content onto our Patreon. But also like the Patreon's a great way to help support us. It helps me pay for art, upgrade people's equipment, pay for the many things. Like I buy a lot of like audio to use. So only if you feel like you can, or you feel like you even want to, please do that. Uh, so if you want to throw money at us and you think it's cool, basically buy us a cup of coffee. If you don't, if you're like Lucas, I don't have any fucking money as it is. That's totally cool. Please enjoy our podcast. I'm so glad you're listening. So I think I've rambled. I mean, you're probably going to get this and it's probably going to be more like 15 minutes long, I hope. But for me, I am over the 35 minute mark. Wow, I've been sitting in this room for that long. So if you enjoy Ballad, if you're having a good time, check out our Patreon. Other ways to support us, share the show with friends. Uh, word of mouth is honestly the biggest way to spread the cheer. Uh, as well as writing uh, a review on iTunes. That's always good for us. Because not only does it lift my spirits, makes me feel good. You know, validation, yay. It also helps us get up there like uh, on the SEO. So that'll help boost our podcast and like catch more eyes. Those reviews are actually pretty integral to showing our podcast to more potential listeners. So you want to help grow the show? You can do that. If you really hate iTunes with a passion, I get it. iTunes sucks so hard. Uh, you can hop on over to Podchaser. That's also a place that you could just write a review uh, from a web browser. So you don't have to deal with that garbage app. Though the iTunes one is what helps us with the podcast apps. Podchaser still helps us because a lot of people use Podchaser. So by all means. Well, it's been fun chatting with all of you with this lovely one-sided conversation. As I am staring at waveforms and sitting uncomfortably in a chair I need to replace. All right, travelers. It's been a blast. I'll talk to you all soon. I bid you all adieu.